Welcome to She's Got Soul, Journey of the Mother Women podcast. I am your host, Paloma, psychologist, neuroscientist, primatologist, movement instructor, and mindfulness coach. A woman in her flow knows what she wants, feels empowered and free, and lives in the natural state of high vibration she was born to embody. This is what this show is about, a call to all women whose purpose is to express their creativity and sensuality, who are ready to experience life from a place of alignment and connectedness. In today's episode, we talk about childhood trauma and its impact on the relationship with the self and others, how we all are born with a mission to bring something new into this world, and how this is shaped by life's experiences. We also talk about how to transform life's challenges into powerful actions that embrace who we are together with our creativity, and how the pandemic affected our mental health, but also created space for healing. We have with us Sarah Lyman, a talented and passionate singer and songwriter who's also a trauma survivor. She strives to share her struggles she has learned from her own journey with mental health and provides a voice for those who feel lost in the dark. Known for her uniquely soulful voice and smooth, clear tone that cuts like a knife, she provides a refreshing outlet for pop listeners. You can listen to her on several venues where she performs every week in Los Angeles. And she has been endorsed by Luna Guitars, Empire Ears, and Clear Tone Strings, and played at the National Association of Music Merchant Show main stage in 2019. I have no doubt that you guys will enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for Hi. being here with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I always like to start a conversation by getting to know a little more about my guests. And okay. uh, I am actually fascinated by your strength as a woman and by how you found a philosophy of empowering yourself and others, transforming the feelings of grief uh, into your songs, into songs. And I know you have, um, you experience loss at a very young age and I would like to hear more about the impact it has had on you over the years and how that has shaped you into the person you are today and how it has influenced your career as well. Sure. Um, so when I was 14, my dad suddenly passed and he had some health issues, but um, he, he just kind of like, it, he didn't die of those issues. Um, And so it was really sudden and I was like 14 and I could barely comprehend it. I just like had to accept like, okay, like no more dad. And so it kind of tossed me in a way because he was also a musician and like he was also an art therapist. So he was just very creative. And so it was kind of like I was starting to like open up and, and find like myself to be really interested in that at 14. So when uh, I lost him, I was like, oh. I don't know, like, directionally. And then because of that emotional loss, it was like, I would want to commit to things. But emotionally, I just couldn't do it because of going through that experience and like losing something really valuable. Like, sometimes, especially if you lose something really valuable that that young, 
um, or whatever it was. It's like the child isn't responsible, but subconsciously, like you, you kind of feel some kind of responsibility to that trauma because the brain can't properly uh, process it. And so um, uh, it wasn't only until like up a, a year ago that I started, um, uh, I, I'd been in therapy for a while, but uh, when the pandemic began, like I was just really in like a not a great state for my mental health and like to the point where I was having like suicidal thoughts and like very depressed and just so many things were just falling apart around me. So it was like everything that could go wrong did, I guess. And so uh, my therapist I had just wasn't, it wasn't right. Like I liked them, but I wasn't growing and, and I wasn't really the same issues would come up and they wouldn't go away and I just couldn't show up to do it. And so it took the right fit of someone really strong to help me get that. And so I, I shopped therapists and then I, I switched to one that I felt really comfortable to just go there with vulnerably. And then, um, uh, and then I also switched different types of therapy. So, uh, he said that I would be a great candidate for EMDR. So I started doing that and then it was, uh, I'm still kind of in my journey of it, but I'm definitely in a, in a way different part than I was a year ago. So, um, so that's kind of like a little bit about the grieving thing, but in general, um, I guess going through the experiences in general, in my life that I've been through, uh, is what inspired me to say like, Hey, I would want someone who's in my position or someone who's feeling these things to know that like they can get through it and that it's okay. And that they're, you know, they're not alone. And that, uh, even though they might feel alone in their pain, there are other humans they're connected with going through that. There's a oneness and, um, and that you can get to the other side. So that's kind of how it inspired my thoughts and needs to put that out through music. I just felt like this deep, feeling in my gut that I couldn't explain that like I had to uh fulfill or it was like I I would have myself and like the world by not being of service in the best way I could be so it's beautiful it's like your mission kind of arose from unfortunately from that loss uh I knew I really liked singing and music and all of that and then I actually didn't pursue music uh, seriously until about, uh, six years ago. And so I was like, I fell into musical theater at one time and then acting. And that was when I was trying to figure out what I actually wanted. And at that point I was like going to college to please my family, even though like I, I loved the aspects of theater, but I wasn't passionate enough. And I didn't want to, I started to feel like I, I moved out to LA because I, I wasn't doing any of that theater stuff. I kept falling into film. So I was like, okay, maybe film is my purpose. So then I came out to LA not knowing where I was meant to go, um, not knowing what was right, not really knowing myself. And I fell back into music. I started attracting that again. I started writing. And that's where through all, like, I had stuff that I'd been through when I moved to LA, uh, I had endured like a pretty intense move. I I hadn't been here before, but uh, I didn't have the money to like go see it. So I was like, I'll just 
save money and then move. And then if I like it, I like it. If not, I can move again, you know, whatever, wherever it takes me. So I just like did that blindly and, um, and it worked. It was fine. It was really scary. And, and then upon that move, like, uh, my, my, uh, roommates fell through and then, um, my relationship at the time that was very unhealthy for me fell through. And like, at the time it was like, I was so innocent and I, I, I didn't want to see that, like I was meant for better things. And, uh, and so that was hard. And then I lived with another roommate that was unhealthy because I just had to live somewhere. And so going through all of that pain and then just trying to figure out myself and, and find myself and people. And, um, I eventually moved away from that roommate and rooms to the outside of town and started living alone. And that's when the music started to happen. And I started to write again and like, because I could hear myself, you know, I didn't have to hear my roommate yelling in the other room, like, or whatever was going on. Like, I could see my I could, it was like, I was able to see myself for the first time. And I didn't know what that person was, but I was at least able to kind of touch it a little bit. And so that's where that came from. So it wasn't really until I was early 20s, that I started to really go back early to mid 20s uh, into music. So, but definitely the father thing is part of that because, you know, I was inspired by him growing up watching him as a kid. I love what you said that until you were not alone, you couldn't hear yourself. Yeah. And it's your resilience in general is really inspiring. And I believe that we all could become more curious to learn also about others' struggles and how they yeah. overcame them. And celebrate all the personal work it takes for someone to heal actually from trauma or from all these challenges yeah um and sometimes we are so focused on our goals and what we want to achieve and we compare and we look up to those who have something we don't have rather than looking yeah. and loving ourselves for who we are and be content with our own life and There's this misconception of being content as an obstacle to be better, but they are two different things. Like you can find joy in being yourself, accepting yourself, being kind, respectful to yourself and then to others as well as compassionate and still connect with those things that don't feel in alignment with you, with who you want to be or who you are. And comes back to COVID that you mentioned that I feel that COVID forced some of us to go more inwards and yeah. also slow down and the slower we go the more space we create that space that you were talking about i wanted to ask you uh, something in particular about this time as well because i know that you went under a vocal surgery during covid yeah. <laughs> what, what were your challenges that you encountered on the one hand on your personal life and on the other hand on your career also how the pandemic affected your recovery so at first to me I was like I had just released my first album and making that album was it had good things but because of how it played out for me what was going on business-wise in my personal life just in general it was like I don't want to say it was torture but it was like pretty intensely severely stressful like um I had lost weight 
I'm still trying to gain it back. Uh, like I lost like 10 pounds and for a skinny person with a fast metabolism, that's, that's a lot. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I had, uh, I was, I was robbed by a company, uh, and then I never got the money back. So I had to just come up with the money out of thin air. I took on so many oh. gigs. I was so stressed, so run down. And then I was dealing with some personal relationship stress too in the home and like trying to figure that out. And then like being broke at the same time and really needing money and them just wanting to, you know, make this album happen and just like set myself up to the expectation of just being professional and not a machine, but I wanted to be at the level of like A-list artists, house, house artists that we hear all the time. And so I wanted to challenge myself to do that. And so um so yeah I had raised the money but like I never got paid by the site a couple people got their money back and sent it to me um but that was so stressful and then and then just every little tiny little thing creatively just held it up even more and it was just like it was like "Ah," like so um so that finally came out and then I had to I I wasn't man I didn't have management at the time I was self-managed because I really wanted to like take the time, manage myself and then find the right fit. And then, so, um, so yeah, so I uh, was doing that and then self promoting it. And then slowly, like my body just felt like crap. And like my voice, something wasn't right in general. And like, I couldn't put my finger on it. And I thought maybe it was sinus related. So I went to like three ENTs and the third one, Finally, who was a laryngo- laryngologist ENT, an ear, nose, and throat doctor, laryngologist specializes in the larynx. So he said, I'd like to take a look down your throat. And I said, okay. So he looked <laughs> down my throat and he was polyp. And, and he's like, yeah, you have a blister and some hemorrhaging. You need to go to Mocha Rest as soon as possible. This was Christmas Eve. So oh, no. going, to, going to Christmas um, at my ex-partner's house, and everyone talking to me and me just going like this. And like, I couldn't, uh, I wasn't supposed to talk for like at least two weeks. So I did, I did that. And then it healed up, but the bump didn't go away. So for a while I tried to just naturally do it. And I took lots of vocal rest and try to be as um, mindful as I could and like, just kind of live with it. Cause it wasn't big or anything, but I just kept getting more tired and tired and tired. And then the pandemic hit, like, not long after that. So that was 2019. So 2020, pandemic hits a couple months later. And I had just kind of started to go back to doing gigs. But I I still, I couldn't talk as long as I wanted to because of the injury that was in the way. And so that was really hard. And then I was supposed to be on national television, too. My grandfather had passed away at the beginning of COVID. And then right after that, I was supposed to be on The Bachelor singing. It would have been, like, really big for my career. And then that didn't happen. So, like, that between that, the death, the stress of, like, the injury and just everything last year, it just, like, sunk me to, like, rock bottom emotionally. And, like, I was already trying to work through other personal things and therapy of just, um, you know, how I treat my self-talk and, like, just getting past trauma and all that stuff and like um so it was just everything at one time just kind of caved in and so I started having really really dark thoughts and everything and like I had just signed a new management too at the beginning of COVID and I remember being so scared 
just to go 100% into my career for that success because it's so comfortable. It's so easy to stay exactly where you are, even though you know you don't want to be in that spot. And so it was like this limbo. And um, I did write a lot of music during that time. But uh, so I lived with it for a while. And then in June, I uh, it got bigger and it hemorrhaged again. Hemorrhage meaning like it uh, like blood came out of something in the cord, like the cord mm-hmm. had some sort of bleeding. So yeah, anyway, I was really doing almost nothing and it happened. By that time, I had recorded uh, my song that's, uh, I'm going to be making the music video for in a couple weeks. It's called Silence. And it's about going through that because being silent, it's like, it, it awoken something out of me. Like I couldn't be silent anymore about um, something that didn't sit right with me or my needs or whatever. I had to vocalize because it, I, 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 cause I couldn't. And like, uh, I have never, up until now, been the most consistent at, you know, uh, being really respectful of my own boundaries and like feeling like, oh, I need a people please and like all the things that I just need to be kind to the point where fenced and like I'm still working, but going through that experience just like with and just not being able to. And then the thing that, you know, brings me life, not being able to just be myself and do, not saying that I am a singer and a singer is my identity, but if it's part of my purpose, it does affect you. And so going through that really was a lot. And then, so yeah, last, last August I had the surgery. I didn't really tell a lot of people because of COVID, (laughs) but it was, it was easy. And the doctor was super chill. And then I had my, my voice therapy after, and it took several months to, uh, be able to really have much conversation, sing a set. Uh, I, I want to say it wasn't until like six months where I started to feel like progress, but it takes a full year to heal. So between that with COVID, I purposely isolated myself to not, I didn't really see like any friends in person, really. I didn't go anywhere. And then all these opportunities kept falling through because of COVID. So it was like, it was so difficult to stay grounded emotionally and just in general and I don't really know how I survived but um probably enough self-care the last 10 years Uh, (laughs) you're happy Uh, you're happy to be recovered I'm happy I am oh my god I thought I would just like when it takes forever it feels like you're never gonna get there because it's just taking so long and like you don't know when you're gonna get all the way through it and so um, yeah, so I, yeah, I self-isolated and it really messed with my mental health because, uh, because I couldn't, I couldn't sacrifice this for the future of my career and myself and my health and my own well-being. So that's kind of like where it kind of brought me. Uh, and I think it, it, it benefited me by ba- making me more vocal and stronger and a little bit more vocal about, uh, uh, just voicing whenever I feel like from I, I still don't completely know who I am, but I have a much better idea from practicing vocalizing what I need in the moment, what I need someone to hear in the moment, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, and that was intense. <laughs> <laughs> that was last year. But you're yeah. also, you're not afraid to say that you've been going to therapy for five years. And I absolutely love that. Yeah. Because not only the fact that you're going to therapy, which is amazing, but also yeah. to be open about it. So uh, we all help democratize professional mental health. But for yeah. me, it's important, as I told you before recording, to share with the world that there's a need for professional mental health because we are so yeah. used to go to the doctors when something yeah. is physically hurting us, uh, but we haven't quite been taught to seek mental help when we yeah. feel we would need to talk to someone. And a lot of parents actually project their insecurities and their traumas onto their children, not intentionally, obviously. So the fact that the children go to the mother to tell her how they're feeling, it provides the mother with what she's lacking within herself and somehow like these children grow up with uh, attachment styles that are not the healthiest and well this whole like there's not an individualization process that's what we yeah. call in psychology uh, so there has to be more information about the need of counting on a profession on a professional help rather than yeah. on a family member for example or even a friend for things for that because if not treated they only get worse and yeah. they manifest in anxiety depression but also like maybe yeah what you were saying like your your throat who knows you know how how emotionally right. it was um influenced let's say or you know yeah. so so I believe that we have the responsibility as people who are aware of it to encourage others to take care of their mental health, mm -hmm. however they want to do so, but with a professional. And there are a lot of affordable options out there that can support one's healing. And at the end of the day, we spend so much money on things that we are told we need, yeah. that only if we prioritized our mental health, maybe we'd probably even save money as we wouldn't fall into feeling that we need something that's uh, external from ourselves. Right? Yeah. And, uh, so we do, it's about priorities. Um, yeah, I do feel like a lot of what we need is on the inside, but sometimes we need certain things from the outside to remind us to go inside. Yeah. And that's what I've been doing for myself pretty heavily the last six weeks uh, of my life. Um, and uh, I've been like reconnecting with my brother on it. And we were talking about, cause I'm getting to the point where, yes, I need to still heal. So I, I have a, I'm a, I'm healing from CPTSD. So it's complex post-traumatic stress disorder because of childhood issues, uh, relational relationship issues, friendships, past boyfriends whatever and so that takes you know and the brain doesn't fully process it successfully so that's why i ended up doing emdr because he thought that it would be beneficial for that and so it takes a lot of untangling and and time and persistence and effort and work and so um but now i'm getting to the point where we're still working through that but because of uh how much we've untangled now, uh, what I've been working on daily uh, with myself and with my brother, we've been helping each other with, is uh, putting in the process of daily mental health hygiene. So like, like you said, you go to a doctor when you're sick, 
but that doesn't mean you're going to not shower until you go to the doctor. So like, that's kind of like what we've been talking about is how, like, like you said, parents and stuff, it's every day is an opportunity whenever something comes up um, or just in general, having your daily meditation, self-care, whatever you do physically and mentally, soulfully, uh, whatever you eat, all like impacts that. And so that's like, the level of what we actually as humans need but a lot of people don't do until they're so uh they feel so broken down they're not broken but they feel it that it's like oh man like what where am I what what am I doing with my life and most people don't reach that until they're 50 but I think our generation is more aware because we've been so oppressed by all those old things that now it's like we can't, and the way that COVID has made it very prominent is that we can't ignore it anymore. And that mental and physical is equally as important to be a functioning member of society, but also the best human you can be to yourself. So I could definitely resonate on that. But I've been getting into like lighting candles and like <laughs> sage and things I never thought I'd get into. Like I have like a couple crystals that I was into at first a while ago. And it was just like a whatever thing. But now I'm like, okay, I need, because I need to go to the inside and I always go to the outside in that codependent way that we're all, ta- all taught yes. to do. Um, I got those things around me go, no, 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 focus on yourself. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing the last couple of weeks as I've been like, uh, you know, grieving a lot of things, but yeah. That's beautiful. So, like, yeah, yeah, rituals, we have to remind ourselves all of this stuff. And you've commented a little about the relationship that you have with yourself, but yeah. And, and, and why you started like uh, EMDR, but you said yeah. that you started therapy five years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. What was, what was the moment or how for the listeners, because some, you know, I, I I'm a psychologist myself. So I, right. I, a lot of people that come to me, like they have been like suffering for 10 years. Right. Uh, it was like, I had been suffering, but um, I think I had a different view of mental health where I knew it was important but I wasn't comfortable with the idea of doing it and so uh my my partner uh recent now ex-partner at the time uh we still work with each other creatively but anyway um uh uh we it was like our first year of dating and like um uh he I had just gotten out of like what I thought was a support group for like people like me that you know have issues being vulnerable in their emotions and trauma and ended up being a cult. Uh, I got out of the group, but because of what it kind of opened up uh, and because I did have things that needed attending to uh, uh, my partner at the time saw that like, Hey, like, do you want to talk to somebody because it's kind of being projected on me? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. And then a week later I was like, yes, uh, I do want to do this. Because I want to, you know, not uh, let that spill onto them in my life. And then I also want to feel good. So, yeah, I started, I, I first had a talk, regular talk therapist. And, and she did help for a while. But, um, but yeah, so I was with her for a while. And then it just felt like something wasn't, I don't know what it was. It just wasn't, uh, it felt like the strength that I, I needed from that therapist just wasn't in the way that I needed it. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I never felt, uh, able to go uh, vulnerable within there and stuff. And, 
Um, but yeah, so I have been in it for a while. Um, I do feel like it will always be a part of my uh, stuff, but I do feel like uh, there will be seasons of breaks where I don't need to see a professional, but I can work on the tools, take a break, and then maybe come back. And that depends on what's going on in my life. I mean, musicians with what I do, not not because I'm a musician, but the level of artistry that I'm going for to be a top 40 national touring artist there's so much stuff that happens so quickly and there's so much that you have to be present to and really secure yourself and so like that's kind of why I want to keep going to therapies no matter what's happening I'll always have that mirror to help me work through whatever I'm working through yeah you've learned a lot of tools so you already have the tools to deal with certain situations yeah now it's just a more of integrating it and like my mind wasn't free to do it. It was like, I would try to make the habit, but then my mind didn't want to shift because it wasn't ready mm. to, because there was so much stuff to clear and there's still stuff to clear. It's almost like cleaning out a closet of clothes that weren't yours. <laughs> That's how I think of it. You can start adding articles slowly as you get rid of things, but until you completely get rid of every single little thing, it's like the habits aren't going to habits and mental health things aren't really going to stick in the way that you need to. So, <laughs> yeah. One of the things that you're doing is EMDR, which stands yeah. for Eye Movement Desensitization. I, my English is, yeah, oh my gosh. I think it's just sensitization. I mean, even me, I'm like, this <laughs> yes uh well everybody understood me so just a brief explanation for yeah. for the listeners and emdr is a psychotherapy treatment right that is designed to alleviate the distress associated as you were saying with traumatic memories and yeah. the treatment what facilitates is the accessing and processing of such memories to bring this to uh let's say an adaptive resolution yeah, And the way it goes, and I'm just sharing this because I, I find it really interesting and maybe people don't know about it and it's important yeah. that we share this information. Yeah. It's the client attends to kind of like emotional disturbing material like in, in the clinics, like with a therapist yeah. in brief sequential like uh, doses while sim yeah. simultaneously uh, focusing on an external stimulus yeah. And this creates new associations um, or like it allows the client to learn to eliminate the emotional distress. And this, this is kind of like when I go into a session, um, there's different, I don't know all the terms cause you know, I'm just kind of in it, but you have, um, there's two ways to do it. So during the first year where we couldn't see each other in person and we weren't vaccinated, um, mm -hmm. basically like I would tap like this, right, left, right, left, or on my legs, right, left, right, left. And, mm -hmm. uh, he would tell me like kind of how fast to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was difficult to like talk and do that. At the same mm -hmm. time. And what it does is like, it doesn't distract you, but it, your right and your left, it's connected to your brain. And so it allows for your brain to, uh, uh, be open to, and it says eye movement because, it's movement between yeah. like the eyes connected to the brain and all that. But uh, yeah, so we talk about the first thing that we do is mm -hmm. uh, we put up limiting beliefs and he, he, he like says, okay, which ones can you relate to? Now at the time I was like, all of them. <laughs> um, but uh, 
but I, he, you know, said to try to pick a couple and it, they go, they change as you start doing it. Cause some of them feel similar. And so I picked a couple. And then, so we start to like, kind of, it's different for everybody, but you kind of think of like, okay, what's the earliest memory that feels tied to that belief. And you kind of start there. And then it's like, it's almost like uh, peeling an onion and you slowly peel the layers off. Um, mm-hmm. and so you, uh, in the office though, uh, usually you have these things called pulsers and they vibrate back and forth and I just hold them. And then, yeah, so there's intervals where they ask me, you know, what are you noticing or like keep going? And then you take a break and then you take a deep breath and then they say, okay, what are you noticing now? And then you say what it is. And then, and then we start saying like, body. Because that's the what's one of the worst things is that when you have um, when you have something like me, mine like CPTSD, everything is so haywire. Like you're you can't tell the difference between your mind and your gut and your heart, and like everything is just out of whack because everything is reminding you of the past, and you feel like you're constantly reliving those sensations. And so a lot of the time, I would like mistake certain things happening in the present for those things. But this therapy kind of helps like detangle and rewire and to deprogram. So your brain can finally fully process, grieve and let go of whatever is uh, holding you back from um, putting those things in. But I will say that with those limiting beliefs, as you reprogram um, each memory at the, after like a certain amount of times, you say, okay, what would you like to believe about yourself? And there's no wrong answer. So uh, sometimes I'll be guided on what to put, but then you you put that in and then you put, go over that a couple times. And then after that, um, it feels less uh, intense usually, but sometimes you go on to another memory and it brings you back to that one. Mm-hmm. So it's just, um, that's kind of, it's a process. And so that's complex. If you just have PTSD, and do EMDR. It's just one event and it's different. And then there are people that go and do EMDR who have addictions, um, uh, phobias, it just depends. And so um, that was kind of, that's been my um, experience with it of how it kind of goes. And usually you'll rate, you know, how disturbing is this? And as it gets, as you work on it, it usually gets less disturbing. Yeah, it's like when you cut your hand, for example, your body works to close the wound. And if right. a foreign object is like going into the wound, like the, the wound gets irritated, yeah, it's it, like fe- it festers. Yeah. 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 And once the block is removed, the body right. heals itself. And it's like EMDR is like the same, but with yeah. our brain, yeah. like the brain's information processing system naturally yeah. moves towards mental health. But yeah. if the system is blocked and, or imbalanced and we continuously like uh, get disturbing memories or the wound in our brains festers. And it's that what causes the suffering, the the block. But once we remove these blocks, then the healing also can just happen. And and you've been talking about the intergenerational trauma that you've had from childhood. Can you dive deeper a little? A little bit? A little bit. It's a lot. Uh, 
not not so much about the trauma but maybe your relationship or or how through therapy you're overcoming it so yeah I, i started to be able to hear people without hearing my trauma at the same the, I don't want to call it mine it's not even mine the trauma at the same time <laughs> I had to catch myself and do it I remember I was on the phone with my ex-partner and he had said something and I my mind had heard something else and I said I'm so sorry can you say that again and he said it and then I actually heard him for the first time and I was like oh I think I actually received you and heard you and like saw you for the first time like oh my god that's like it wasn't about him it was about me I was like this is so magical like to like (laughs) not feel like I I have one eye open because it's not in the way of connecting with people in the same way now there's still work to go but my it was interesting because I was in therapy and he said and my therapist said this past week, he said, oh, well, I don't know why you don't feel healed enough. And I said, I, I said, I don't know why either. I think it's just a matter of, you know, me uh, seeing, you know, what comes up. But he was saying, like, where I am now from what, a, a year ago, like, I'm a completely shiny new person. And so it's like, it's really interesting. And so it took, it took all of that time too to finally see that like uh the with the ex-partner the relationship that we did have that we just we had outgrown it and like what we needed was unknown in that in that way and 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 then he needed to go to therapy too and so it was like it was like okay we love each other but it's just like it's not healthy to continue from that old way that we were connecting and so like uh, let's let's focus on ourselves and heal ourselves so we can actually like connect as human beings and as professionals and so like but it took me a whole year to like even see that uh, that that had happened because my brain just wasn't caught up with me because I was living nightmares over and over and over again I still have night terrors sometimes when I sleep that definitely is something that happens but uh it, but it's way I'm starting to be a lot more peaceful now I would say Mm. that's good we're talking a lot about mental health and your healing but yeah what about the music industry <laughs> because, oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah do you see how the pressure of the industry can interfere with someone's mental it, stability and clarity it can it definitely can you know when you have so many things from the outside trying to tell you things trying to tell you how to do things uh what to invest into luckily i do have management helping me uh kind of steer to help yeah. prevent me from certain things like that but there are other things and certain pressures you know because uh I'm a little bit older of an artist I'm not a teen pop star and so that used to be the expectation I feel like with COVID that's going to change because like you know it, the whole industry kind of went to a halt and music came out and stuff but um it, people weren't playing live shows, people weren't touring. And even then, like people kind of toured, but it didn't really work. And then, um, and then I, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, like I said, all of my stuff fell through, like a lot of gigs. Uh, I was in the licensing company, and it just wasn't working. And so we shopped other companies and 
picked another one and it's just it's been difficult to like trust and have faith that like I'm I'm I belong in this and I'm meant to be here and that what I have to say is valuable and that people will receive it and it will be heard Mm -hmm. um that's been like the difficult thing um but it is starting to move for me it's still up in the air because of the pandemic but I feel like it's starting to slowly sporadically but have some momentum so yeah I'm shooting my music video a couple weeks I've been writing more music I've been uh producing more music that I'm gonna be completing and um if all goes well if we have the right funding I'll be finally marketing and releasing stuff um also doing a Hollywood Bowl contest so. I've been voting I've been voting thanks <laughs> thank you I yeah. yeah so um and you know so I've just been like slowly but surely like uh, doing my best to think of myself because that I have been thinking of myself, but I haven't been, I, I hadn't really been able to really prioritize myself first, no matter what. And so like, that's what I've really been trying to do and open myself up to unapologetically mentally, but also in the music realm and, and in, in ways that I wasn't, I didn't have the bravery, the tools to be brave before, but now I, I'm starting to feel more worthy because of all the, the work I've done. So mm-hmm. that's, yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely very blurry as to where and when I'll land in that idea of the big break. But uh, I'm starting to trust that it's going to happen and, and sooner than later. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But there's also like the ego here, like, especially mm-hmm. like uh, in professions that require some sort of performance or competition yeah. from athletics to music. Uh, it, yeah. it requires a lot of strength to not let the ego take control. And, oh, yeah. And ego is what tells us uh, that we are different from another person. And the ego is the one yeah. that judges, that compares, that strives for, for survival. So yeah. how, how have you dealt with your own ego and how do you find balance in the process of trying to be different without actually being nothing other than yourself (laughs) it's it's a work in progress um I mean I had done some ego work uh years ago when I was reading the power of now by Iker Tolle Mm because they talk about the ego and the pain body and then uh I didn't like forget things but I didn't know how to apply all of it I needed to revisit so the last several weeks I've been kind of doing that again and like separate the self from the ego and like you know allowing myself to feel the emotions but trying to let that ego not take away my inner power because it's Mm -hmm. so easy to mistake and I'm still finding my way through it but it's so easy to mistake like uh oh my god this hurt and how dare you and like oh my god I feel pain I feel terrible this is angry and it's just like (laughs) when it's when it usually when it wants to strike out about the other person even if you don't physically do it that I think is the ego and so and that can come from joy too and that's again when we I I feel like whenever the pain is from the outside or or mistaken from an inner story projecting onto the outside that's Mm -hmm. when I think the ego kind of comes in it's very confusing and I'm still learning because uh, I really want to ingrain it in myself, not because I'm I'm going to become a robot, but I want to clearly be able to tell the difference because I think that is what is holding me back. One of the things 
from really prioritizing myself first because if the ego is trying to be prioritized that's not me that's just in the human condition because our brains don't know any better yeah so so, yeah no yeah the ego definitely wants to survive yeah and and it's it's like I kind of think of it like a lizard and you just don't feed it until it (laughs) kind of like dies or well, it doesn't even die it's just like it doesn't have much life to it anymore yeah um it's just like bounces around and stuff until it stops bouncing and then it finds its spot and stays there is kind of how I think of it think of it kind of like a storm where there's a leaf blowing and that's the ego and then finally eventually it'll it'll stop and it'll place itself on mm-hmm. the ground and it won't go anywhere else or whatever so uh, it's a, it, it, yeah, it's hard in the industry. I've, I've met people where I feel like I have to compete with them or like show off or like show my best self or something, even though it's not what I want to do because clearly they have an ego thing inside of them. And then being an empathetic person, healing person that I am, it's, I have to have really strong boundaries and, and, and notice like, okay, I can't, you know, do that. Um, but then, like, also disidentify and recognize that that's them and that's not me and I don't have to let myself. That's, that's hard in the industry is to come across these people and being able to recognize, like, okay, in the moment, I'm going to not give into that and I'm going to just do my thing and then, and then, like, have faith that, like, uh, I'm going to be fine. They can do what they're doing. I don't have to be part of whatever they're doing. And that, like, I don't have to carry their story with me onto wherever I go next. Like, I don't have to carry their baggage of whatever their ego is. Yeah. is go- but, yeah, it happens a lot in the music industry. There's a lot of people who are not uh, healthy uh, up here. So, like, it is hard. I was talking about this with a producer the other day where, you know, she said that she heard over 150 songs from different artists. And, and, and she said like all year or something like that. And she said that only four songs, she actually felt something. And she said that one of my songs was like one of them. And she said, why? Mm. And like, um, and it was partly the story and then the melody, but it was because, because we're connecting with that soul, that soulfulness and vulnerability and emo and real emotion uh, of, of, from a place of purposefulness and like passion. And a lot of artists, it's not talking anybody down, but if you're not connected here and like, uh, and, 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 and here and everything, um, if you're not your whole body, like your the music isn't going to be as pure. As, it's not right. It's not going to be as memorable because, because if you can't emotionally, people just, they can't connect to it. And, and we already have enough of an issue of connecting in general as humans right now. Mm-hmm. So, so something that's more unapologetically like that is going to be more likely to hit people, hit the masses in a way that they, where they want, they want to feel something. Yeah. But then when you try to connect, then yeah. you can fall into the ego trap again because then you're right. trying rather right. than just so being. You can try. You just have to allow it. <laughs> Right, yeah. exactly. So like I've I've fallen into that too. And it's like a work it's a working progress of just trial and error. And I did a session a couple of days ago and it was just so it was the most vulnerable and raw I had been with that producer. And I was just sobbing through like the mm. first the first part of the first verse because it just like it touched so many things like 
like through like my bones that had, I hadn't reached to that before. And so like whatever I had to go through my life, pain, whatever, because it is true. Like there, there's a level of life experience and pain that an artist needs to endure on in some form, whether that's trauma or some like sort of um, epiphany, uh, whatever it is, whatever makes that artist open up like mm-hmm. flower, um, <laughs> you have to go through that or you're not going to be able to connect on that level. Um, you must go through some kind of growing growth pain in order to have access to all of your emotions and be able to communicate your story successfully. And it's going to be more organic that way too, because people can tell if you're faking it, people are becoming smarter because you're, uh, they want to be sold something, but they want to feel good about what's being sold. They don't want to be pressured into it. And so with music, especially where that's the one universal language where people can uh, connect with their heart because, you know, we have a heartbeat, so we just naturally connect to it. Um, it's uh, super important to be able to be able to allow it. But if you can't allow it, um, you're not like, no, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work, you know? Yeah, I love it. If you're not connected with yourself, you don't sound real, especially no. through music, no. which is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of egos, egos are like more ingrained or expressed in men. So how about being a woman yeah. in the industry? How, what challenges have you gone through and has it been changing over the years? So I have worked with a lot of males. I've worked with a lot of, most of the males that I've worked with <laughs> are males that are for women, are supportive of women. Now, mm-hmm. does that mean that their stuff Get, doesn't get in the way oh it totally does <laughs> um, I did a smile because I saw yeah. your fa- facial expression it made like, smile. Oh, yeah. so um because it's so ingrained into society and roles and whatever um gender roles what it means to be masculine whether that's taking care of the woman or this or that or whatever and it's like not it's not real <laughs> and so Uh, I've been listening to a podcast called uh, The Man Enough Podcast by Justin Baldoni. And uh, he wrote a book called Man Enough when he wasn't feeling man enough because it's about how it starts with the man in order for everybody to win. And by man, specifically white man, of course, uh, not to get political, it's just factual research, is that it starts with that because they are who wired society to be as it is. So it must start with them in order to slowly get positive change to happen. And so that producer I worked with on Sunday was a female. So there was, it was different. It was a, there was a softness where, um, uh, I don't know if it's because we're the same gender, but there was definitely uh, an equal playground. There was no ego. And working with other males in the past, uh, one of them definitely has had an ego issue. The other one um, doesn't have an ego issue per se, but there are like things as to why their heart may not be as open as maybe a woman's might be. And it's because males are not taught to do the heart work 
Mm-hmm. They're taught to minimize themselves. And when you minimize yourself, you're going to minimize every woman around you, whether you like it or not, because, because it's how, how people say, uh, treat others as you would like to be treated. Okay. But like, really treat yourself, figure out how you want to treat yourself and then go ahead. And, and, and that starts with like self-compassion and kindness is what I've been kind of learning. So in the industry, there has, uh, I've been around males where, there could be way more compassion and kindness. And um, I feel like women are kind of put in this box where we have to hold the ground and be like the stability for the man because of how men have not been held responsible in that same light where we're always kind of the one picking up the slack. And, And I'm not saying it's like that every male is like that, but it's just naturally ingrained. And so that does happen in society and also because of the lack of connection with your emotions, you know, you're not really fully human if you're not fully in touch with yourself. And so males that have been in charge of our society, especially like white male and stuff, um, have made discriminatory subconsciously and consciously regarding uh, women and, um, and people who are minorities as well. So, um, so it's definitely... A thing that's in the industry for sure. I do feel like we're starting to take a stance and not back down. It's going to take a very long time, but we are making progress and that is something to celebrate. So um, we have talked about attachment, about ego. <laughs> and yeah. actually, I would say it all comes back to um, the population that we currently have of these unhealthy masculine or however people who are not yeah. connected with themselves at the end of the day right and it's <laughs> children who grew up with parents that were absent somehow because they yeah. were going through their own pain and the children either they were an escape for the parents or mm-hmm. they were somehow used by their parents to meet their needs the parents yeah. needs uh, that yeah. they couldn't meet themselves or you know because mental health awareness was not um yeah back then and but i feel that now the collective consciousness somehow seems to be higher in our society at least in some regards it's like growing or increasing and i know that your mission is precisely to help for your music but i would like to know what it is that reminds you that your work is needed i guess like certain points of myself have felt fallen into areas of feeling isolated or depressed when I see people who are um have you ever seen the movie the matrix yes I was talking about this a couple (laughs) weeks ago and so it's almost like everyone's stuck in their own matrix within a bigger matrix and so while we can't change the big matrix overnight if we are all willing to wake up and um wake up out of our own matrix, then slowly but surely it'll shift everything. And that again is from the inside out. So Mm -hmm. it's the inside of each human being. And so that's kind of where I see how um, my message could connect to other people is to inspire them to reconsider and go, hey, am I really awake? Or am I just doing something because I was told to do it and it's easy and I don't know anything else? And so that's kind of what I want to 
and I don't want to start a revolution or anything like that. I just want people to to be themselves. Feel, yeah, and feel more comfortable being human and and find some peace and uh I want them to hear my music and leave feeling better. So, yeah. Mm, that's <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, last but not least. Yes. Because, I mean, we could keep talking, I'm sure. <laughs> But where can people find you? Sure. So you can find my music on Spotify and Apple, Bandcamp, Amazon, all the major music platforms, YouTube. Uh, uh, my website is sarah-lightman.com. Uh, Sarah with an H at the end. And Lightman is spelled light, L-I-G-H-T-M-A-N. Well, you'll see it in the episode, .com. <laughs> and then... Um, I also go live on Twitch a couple of days a week. So you can always hang out with me. We talk about what's going on in our lives and we listen to music. Sometimes we play games and we write songs and it's, it's a lot of fun. So that's what I've been doing during the pandemic when I haven't been able to perform out in person. It was, uh, I started to really devote my time and build uh, a Twitch community because uh, it's a, it's definitely a, a great spot to uh, connect with people and make fans. So You can find me on those places. And then, of course, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's at Sarah Lightman for Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And then for Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Sarah Lightman Sings. Um, uh, but, yeah, so uh, find me. And uh, if you had a good time listening to me, like, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, send me a message on Instagram that you loved it. Or if you have anything to share, ask me. Uh, that's totally fine. Um, but yeah, come uh, come join our uh, lighthouse on Twitch. I I will leave all the links on the show notes, anyways. And I haven't checked out Twitch. I will have to. Do yes, because I hear you talking It's about fun. it. And I'm like, I just want to go and check it out. I want to see what you're doing there. And yeah. Well, thank you so, so, so much, Sarah. I really enjoyed the conversation and it was really empowering actually to talk to you and I'm looking forward to seeing you play and yeah. spread your light. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and, and I look forward to seeing you as well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want more content like this, make sure to subscribe so you get notified when new episodes are released. You can find me on Instagram at Inspira Los Angeles for more free and insightful information about mindfulness, ecology, and ancient wisdom. If you want to dig deeper, you can also check out my website, inspiralosangeles.com. There's free content that you can download so you can have some keys on how to live life from a more integrated and aligned space. Much love.